It is very possible that there's somebody sitting here this morning who watched this baptism take place and you thought to yourself, I haven't done that. You know, I, I believe in who Jesus is. I want to give my life completely to him. But I haven't done that. And, and I want you to know that I really think this is a serious, important thing that Luis and Evelyn did this morning. Scripture is so clear about the relationship between baptism and what we do uh, with the rest of our lives in terms of our relationship with Christ. Baptism plays a role in the conversion process. Scripture talks about it being the, the point at which sins are forgiven, at which relationship with God is solidified. A place at which the Holy Spirit comes and enters our lives in a unique way. And so if you haven't done this, I really encourage you to take seriously uh, whatever opportunity you might have, which is right now, actually, to go through the act of baptism. Because it's, uh, scripturally, it's it's right, it's one of those key elements in the conversion process that God has told us in his word should be done by all of us. We need to make that decision. So I hope that you have, if you haven't, you want to talk to somebody about it, I'm available anytime you want, and we can talk about that. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 5, if you would. We always hear this quotation. People always say this. They say, you know, half the marriages in North America end in divorce And the the statistics in the church are no different. That half the marriages, even in the church, end up in divorce. And I think that's interesting. As I look at you today, it doesn't look to me like half of you are divorced. In fact, as far as I know, there are very few. And there are some, for sure, but I don't think that those figures, at least in the experiences that I've had among Bible-believing people, is even close to 50%. Nonetheless, it is true, and this is another claim that the world makes, that most of the marriages that exist today aren't happy ones. And it is true that there are an awful lot of unhappy marriages. In fact, even in the church, there are, of course, a lot of occasions for unhappy marriages where people are married, but not necessarily blissfully so. Which means that someone out there this morning is suffering in silence. Because we're not talking very much about our marriages and the ways in which they could be better. And I think that's something that people need to intentionally do. The suffering in silence is like the, whole, the old story that you probably have heard, but which I'm going to repeat again this morning, about how at the end of the age, when all the believers were standing in line, waiting to get into heaven, God appeared. And he said, I want all the men to form two lines. One line will be for the men who are the true heads of their households. The other will be for the men who are dominated by their wives. Then God continued, I want all the wives to report to St. Peter, and the wives left. The women left, and the men formed two lines. The line of men who were dominated by their wives was seemingly unending. The line of men who were were the true heads of their households 
had only one lone man in it. And God said to the first line, You men ought to be ashamed of yourselves. I appointed you to be heads of your households, and you were disobedient and have not fulfilled your purpose. Of all of you, there's only one man here who obeyed me. You need to learn from him. Then God turned to the lone man and said, And how is it that you came to be in this line? And the man replied, I'm not really sure. My wife told me to stand here. So we have some correcting to do. We need to read Ephesians chapter 5. Will this fix all the problems? We'll see. Look at verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And I'm going to make a comment in a moment about why that's separated from the rest of these verses. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. I am going to continue reading. (laughs) If I was to stop here and just try and do something with this, well, I'd be getting emails and phone calls all week long. So I'm going to move on, and I think there's some balance here. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let me make some comments about this text. First, if you look at an NIV, you'll notice that the subheading is below verse 21. Do you see that? And there might be other Bibles who do this as well. They separate verse 21 from verse 22 with some kind of heading talking about how the next few verses are wives and husbands. And I find that heading sitting there in between those verses unfortunate because I think it creates an impression that isn't really legitimate. It is true, and this is why the heading is so often where it is in English text, it is true that there is a grammatical relationship between verse 21 and the preceding verses that that connects them. Like there are several words in verses 19 and 20 that talk about how we're supposed to, let's see, it says... um, Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And there's a participle there, speaking. Then we're to sing and make melody in our hearts to the Lord. And then later on it says, thanking God in everything. Or there's that word thankfulness in there. And then it moves into verse 21 and says, and submit. And all five of those verbs are connected in that they have the same form in Greek. 
And so the reason that verse 21 is typically associated with the preceding verses is because Paul has arranged it so that these verbs go one right after another in a kind of cohesive form. So verse 21 definitely connects with the previous verses. And that's why they put that heading after verse 21. But there's a problem. Like, I want you to look at verse 22. And, I mean, you can see what verse 21 says about wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Verse 22, the word submit is in your English text. Do you see it? I can tell you that in the Greek text, it is not. The word submit is not in verse 22. Even though every English translation in the room has it there. And there's actually a reason for that. And a legitimate one. In Greek, this is what verse 22 says. The wives to their own husbands as to the Lord. What's missing? The verb. There's no verb there. And Greek oftentimes does this where it doesn't necessarily put a verb in because it expects you to get the verb from a surrounding verse. And that's exactly what happened in this case. And so the English translations are absolutely right when they put the word submit into verse 22, even though, it, <clears throat> even though it's not in verse 22 technically. And this is actually the way it reads in Greek where the word submit is really there. Well, that tells me then that there must be an awfully close connection between verse 21 and verse 22. Because Paul intentionally grabs the verb from verse 21 and he brings it into verse 22. Linking, therefore, verse 22 and those verses after very closely with verse 21. You can't separate them. In fact, verse 22 has to have verse 21 to even make any sense. And as you know, verse 21 reads like this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so with this close connection between verse 22 and verse 21, clearly this is a kind of introduction or a theme verse telling us what's coming in the following verses. And it sets the stage. It tells us that verse 22 and following have to be read in a certain way, specifically in light of what verse 21 says, that there is a kind of mutual submission that takes place between husbands and wives as one another in the Lord. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, Paul uses an entirely different word in 6.1. Look at 6.1 in your text. When he's talking about children and parents, he uses an entirely different word in 6.1 and in 6.5 when he's talking about slaves and masters, from what he does up in verse 21 or in 22 and following verses. And the reason for that is, because, well, I mean, you can see the difference in English as well. One of those words says obey in 6.1 and 6.5, and in 5.21-22 it says submit. And that's because the word in 6.1 and in 6.5 is a stronger word when it comes to the notion of obedience. In other words, Paul is trying to say something in verses 21 and 22 that doesn't look exactly like the obedience in 6.1 and 6.5. There must be some kind of characteristic of the relationship between husbands and wives, which is not like the children and parents and not like the slave and master. He's trying to make a point here. 
He wants to make sure that people who live in a certain kind of culture understand that point, and so he uses different words. The third thing is I want you to notice how many times in verses 22, 23, 24, 25, 28, 29, and 33, how many times Paul says something like, as, or just as, or in the same manner as. Look at those. Verse 22, there's a comparison. Verse 23, there's a comparison. Verse 24, there's a comparison. Verse 25, there's a comparison. You get down to verse 28, and there's a comparison. You get to verse 29, and verse 33, and there's a comparison. And here is the point. Paul uses the words as, just as, and in the same manner, in the same way, to describe correspondence between the ways in which wives and husbands are to live together and the way Christ relates to the church. Their life together is to be in light of the Lord and modeled after the Lord in his relationship with us. And I have to tell you, this is not something that I really had picked up on before. Now, if you would have asked me, is that the case for the part about husbands? I would have said, well, of course. Paul uses that analogy to talk about how husbands are to love their wives just as Christ loved the church. I've read this verse many, many, many times. But I never really thought about before the fact that he does the same thing with verse 22 and 23 and 24 where he's not talking about husbands and the way they're to love their wives, but he's talking instead about the way that wives are to submit to their husbands. Notice how in every one of these verses where there is a comparison, if the wife is told to submit, or she's told to respect, or if the husband is told to love, or to give himself up for, or to be the head of, or to feed and care for, or make the other holy and clean. In every case, Paul does this in relationship to how one considers Christ. There's a manner of relating or an attitude that is in the same way as Christ loved those whom he loved. And they loved him. And so this actually applies collectively to the church. And it happens in every case with wives and husbands. Marriage relationships are to be informed by and centered on Christ and the kind of loving sacrificial relationship that Jesus our Lord has. And what's interesting about this is that it's inherently Christian, this kind of description of marriage. Like when we think of marriage in our society, everything about our culture until the last few years with immigration and all that had always been Christian in orientation to marriage. So that our whole government system when it comes to marriage is set up really initially to be conducted within Christian kind of ceremonies. That's just the way they looked at this. Marriage was defined by Christianity and in this case had specifically to do with who Jesus is in relationship to the husband-wife relationship. Clearly, this passage is about spouses treating each other in a way that echoes Christ's relationship with his people. It's the relationship we have with Jesus that needs to be dominant in our husband and wife relationships. So the question is, 
What's the relationship like between Christ and his followers? What aspects of that relationship does Paul focus on in these verses that dominate the submission of wives to their husbands and submission of husbands to their wives? And some of you read that last line and think, wait, submission of husbands to their wives? I thought it just said wives submissive to their husbands. But we've got to bring in verse 21 or we miss the grammatical necessary connection that is there between verse 21 and 22. And so overarching all of this, there is a mutual submission. It's totally appropriate to talk that way with respect to husbands submitting to their wives in that relationship. And I'll say more about that here in a bit. Now, before we talk too much about that question, there's something else I want you to notice. How many verses do you see in this section that talk about wives submitting to their husbands? Three and a half. You're exactly right. Okay? There are three at the beginning, and there's a half at the end. There's three and a half. Now, count how many there are that refer to the relationship between the husband and the wife, so that the husband is supposed to love the wife. How many of those are there? Eight and a half, you say? You're exactly right. There's two and a half that talk about the women. There are eight and a half that talk about the men. And then there is one that says they're supposed to be, so, supposed to be mutually submissive to one another. What do you suppose, then, is Paul's direction here? Like, what is Paul's concern? What's the problem that Paul's trying to address? Do we have here in Ephesus a situation where all the women are refusing to be submissive to their husbands, and Paul feels like he needs to write at length about that problem? Apparently not. Instead, what we find is that Paul has decided that he needs to address the husbands in this text. And so there are, the large preponderance of these verses are not referring to the women and how they're supposed to submit to the husbands, although he does say that. The real point of the passage is to say to the husbands, you need to lead and love and cherish and care for your wives. And he actually elaborates far more on the way men are to treat their wives than how he does with wives treating their husbands. That was clearly the problem. That was Paul's biggest concern. Now, there are some people who think that in the ancient world, the reason you have to deal with this problem is because men were treating women so badly. And that did happen. There is some evidence that says that the women actually weren't always treated that badly. And so I don't want to go off on the ancient culture and act as though all the men back then were just chauvinist pigs and treating the women terribly. That's not really the case. But definitely that's Paul's concern here. He's concerned that there's a correction needed in the way that husbands treat their wives, more so than he's concerned about women and their submission to their husbands. And so he deals with that, and here's how he does so. First, Married people, he says, must let Christ's relationship with them guide their spousal relationships. We've already looked at that. Numerous times in this text, everything is related just as, as, in the same manner as, something to do with who Jesus is. When it comes to marriage, Jesus is the focus. What kind of spouse does Jesus want me to be? And I model myself after him. That's Paul's first point, and verse 21 in the mutual submission certainly sets that forward. All spouses are to, are to submit to each other then. I just don't, I don't see another way of, of reading this. 
And, and yet I have to admit, this doesn't always get the play in our churches as it should get. Verse 21 is directly connected to verse 22. All spouses are supposed to submit to each other. It's an overarching theme in this section of scripture and has to somehow dominate what we do with these verses. Thirdly, husbands are to love their wives as, just as, Christ loves the church, including mutual submission. And I would say that more than anything, this is Paul's point. Christ loved the church. He gave himself up for the church. Where the church is Even when it's unworthy, Christ's love is stronger than the unworthiness of the church. The church is special and set apart, which is exactly what the word holy means. The church is like a bride, specially prepared for her husband's efforts, uh, specially prepared by her husband's efforts to be the bride that she is. And I think it's interesting that the husband keeps working in these verses to make the bride who she should be. She has... This wonderful husband, apparently, who cares so much for her that he's willing to work hard to lift her up and make her the bride that she's supposed to be. He's to love her like he loves his own body, like he loves himself. And so he feeds her and cares for her and leaves his family to join with her in this marriage relationship. He becomes, ultimately, the Bible says, one flesh with her. And I want you to explain to me just to how there can be some kind of dichotomy here, some kind of hierarchy between two people have become, who have become one flesh. My sense is that the two of them, when it says they become one, that it means exactly what it says. Not that they lose their individual lives, but that in their oneness in relationship. There is no room for some kind of division, certainly not along the lines of inferior and superior. And so Christ loves the church. He gives himself up for the church. He sacrifices for the church. He does everything on behalf of the church. And that's the notion of husbands as how in how they're supposed to love their wives in the way that Christ loved the church. And then fourthly, And I've kind of done these in the order that I think is a priority. Like I think Paul has a priority here in terms of what's important to him. I think we see the husbands and the issue there as being prior. That's why he spends so many verses on it. But he does say, wives are to submit to their husbands in a mutually submissive relationship. And I I add that second part on there because that's what verse 21 says. So that their attitudes of love and submission toward their husbands are like their relationship to Christ. It's not just the men who follow Christ and love Christ and love their wives in the same way. The text specifically says that wives are to love their husbands as to the Lord. They're supposed to love their husbands like they love Jesus. We tend, when we read these verses, that says that the women are supposed to submit to the authority of their husbands is the way we typically read this. But this says they're supposed to love their husbands as to the Lord. So, or sorry, submit to their husbands as to the Lord. So how is it that the wife submits to her husband? In the same way that she submits to Christ. Well, describe for me that relationship. What does that look like? 
If our relationship with Christ is going to be some kind of model for us to follow in terms of other relationships, what does it look like to love people the way Jesus does? Like, who loves the most, the very most? Christ does. Who gives himself as the ultimate sacrifice? Christ does. What, what dominates the New Testament in terms of what Jesus has done for us? Well, the crucifixion does. Or the, the coming to earth where he leaves his heavenly father and comes here and takes up residence on the earth. This whole sacrifice and ministry of Jesus dominates the teachings of the New Testament in terms of what he's done. So, so when we ask the question, how are wives supposed to love their husbands or submit to their husbands? It's in the way that they submit to this one who has done all these things for them. This one, then, is the head. The one who gives himself up for another. The submission is like submitting to the one who goes out of his way and gives up everything in order to love the other. And so as Christ is the head of the church, his bride, for whom he gives up his life in service and care, the desire to and with a desire to present the church to God as holy, Submission comes back to that one who has done all of this and in light of what he has done, which makes it a certain kind of submission. This is not submission to an ogre. This is not submission to someone who is perceived as being in authority. Although certainly Jesus is our authority. But the whole point of this passage Every verse in here talks about how the man loves his wife the way that Christ loves the church, gives himself up for the church, makes the sacrifice for the church. And what woman wouldn't want to love and submit to a guy like that? When you love your wives as Christ loves the church, where there's a sacrificial giving over. My sense is that a wife would typically say, in a case like that, I want to be in that kind of relationship. In fact, it's interesting the way you can almost say that Christ submits to the church. And if there's going to be mutual submission here between husband and wife, this makes sense to me. Does Christ not submit to the church when he says to the church, I am going to give myself for your sins? He doesn't submit to the will of the church, but he submits to the need of the church. And so there's a sense in which husbands must, they're called to submit to the needs that their wives have in relationship. And it's interesting that in our case, God does that for the sinful people. You know, it sounds like, it sounds like Hosea. It sounds like God calling someone, a husband, 
to have, in this case, a harlot for a wife and still to love that one with all his heart and give himself completely to this one. There's no holding back here, guys. There's no room for us to say, well, I'm not going to give some part of me completely in service to my spouse. But instead, we give ourselves wholly up for this one. For Paul, marriage is a commitment on the part of two people to serve each other and love each other as Christ has loved and served them. And if anything, the greater of the two loves comes on the part of the husband. The greater of the sacrifices comes on the part of the husband who says, I will absolutely give my life up to you. And it seems to me that's exactly what our world needs. If the concept of family is to survive, it will require Christians giving themselves over to these kinds of relationships when they're called to be married. And and let me say finally this. We are supposed to see our wives submit to their husbands as to the Lord. If I held a statue up here and I said, here, let me take my keys out. We can do it with this. If I take my keys out of my pocket and say, I want you to give your devotion to these keys. These are good keys. They allow me to get into the building anywhere I want to go. They drive my car. They get into my house. These keys are of such incredible value. What I want you to do is I want you to give all of your devotion, the same kind of devotion that you would give to Christ, I want you to give to these keys. Now, if I said that, probably most of you, the first thing that would come to mind is that we're not supposed to worship anything besides the Lord Jesus Christ and the Heavenly Father. We're certainly not going to worship somebody that's something that is as man-made as a set of keys. And my point is, is that there is nothing that we are supposed to worship the way that we worship the Lord. So when Paul says, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, one thing he cannot mean is that we're supposed to think of our husbands as we think of Christ. There is not that kind of relationship between husband and wife. Somehow, we're going to have to modify it. There is a level of devotion that's supposed to go to Jesus and to no one else. And I think that has to do with the difference in status. He is Lord and I am not. But in this relationship, husbands and wives, there is not a difference in status. There's a difference in role. And so when submission takes place, it takes place as two equals. Where one willingly, voluntarily, with no enforcement coming down from a husband, gives him the right to lead. Submission here is on equal footing, where one feels agape love coming from the other, and they respond to that where the two are mutually expressing to each other a common devotion toward each other so that they can actually become one. And in this case, headship 
has to do with a very simple concept, leadership, and not lordship. And so, for example, let's imagine that you and your wife are walking along a path. You're walking along a path together out in the woods somewhere, and all of a sudden you come to a fork in the path. And you say to her, let's go this way. And she says, sure. And she goes. That is not a relationship of hierarchy. Instead, somebody just said, let's go this way. And the other one, in loving relationship, said, sure. I think she could have just as easily said, you know what, today I think I'd like to go the other way. And he would say, after you, honey. Let's go that way then today. Because there would be this kind of mutuality. And he hasn't given up anything in saying, let's go your direction today. In fact, what he's done is he'd loved her at that moment the way that Christ loves the church. Giving himself up for her. Making sacrifices. Being in mutual submission and relationship. Just exactly the way the text says. So husbands, I think, have a responsibility to absolutely give themselves up to their wives. It is nothing less than full sacrifice of life in service and love. And it's the only way that the two of them can become the one flesh that God describes marriage as being. Many have pointed out that the kind of relationship Paul describes here is intended to be so mutual and loving, so self-sacrificing, that no spouse, husband or wife, would hesitate for a moment to cling to that kind of relationship. And I think that's exactly true. So, mutual submission, I think, dominates the teaching here in this passage, is there submission on the part of the wives? I'm convinced there is. Absolutely. But it's done so in the context of this kind of relationship that we're talking about where the husband, the word submit is only used in verse 21 for him, it's still there, not used in the others, but clearly the love and devotion and care with which he relates to his wife, is supposed to dominate that relationship, just as Christ dominates both their relationships. I hope you have that kind of relationship. Let's pray. Lord, I want to pray this morning for every marriage here. And Father, I pray that you would be right at the center of those marriages. Not just that you would be the one to whom they devote their common lives, but that you would be the perfect example of loving care and devotion that husband and wife can both follow in this relationship. 
Help us to, to transcend some of the things that we sometimes think in terms of how these relationships are to be conducted and to put ourselves right in your hands and let you dominate these relationships. I pray that every husband and wife here would have a Christ-centered relationship because they are treating each other as you've treated us. Help us, Lord, to do that. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.